may be seated. Well, awesome. that, that's the way to start a spring forward Sunday, right? I mean, when you've lost an hour of sleep, that's the way to do that. So thank you for being here, guys. Um, just want to say right off the bat um, that you are brave and courageous for making it to the first service on spring forward Sunday. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that second service, some people plan on going to that and some people, they're just by default because they're like, what? <laughs> We missed 9 o'clock? Okay, we're here. Um, so thank you for being here. Uh, a couple of things that we want you to know. For those of you who are here for the very first time, you're a first-time guest with us here, and I know some of you it is uh, that way for you. You're a first-time guest with us here. We want you to know a couple of things. This is really important. One, we want to say thank you for coming to check us out. We really do. We mean that. Well, this is a risk to show up at a new church to a new group of people on Spring Forward Sunday. And, and we have church in a village center. I mean, you know, all of those things just combined. We, we appreciate you taking a risk, you know, and just kind of checking this out. And so thank you for doing that. Um, the second thing that we want you to know if you're a first time guest, we want you to know that this is a safe place for you. And that's really, really important. We say this every Sunday because it's so important to us. We want you to know this is a safe place for you, whether maybe you've been walking with Jesus forever. Like you've been walking with him for as long as you can remember. Uh, you've had faith in Jesus. Or maybe you just accepted Christ. Maybe you're just new to this whole thing. And, and you're, 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 you're kind of new into this thing. You're checking this out. You're kind of seeking after this thing. This is a safe place for you. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum entirely. And, and you're not even sure if you believe in Jesus. Honestly, you would say, we have, we have people here at Northridge that, that would say that. They're not sure if they even believe in God. They're not even sure if they believe in the Bible and, and this whole church thing. And so I want you to know, we want you to know, that if you're a first-time guest with us here, this is a safe place for you no matter where you're at on that spectrum, here, there, or somewhere in between. We honestly believe that, and we want you to know that. Um, this is a safe place to ask questions, to, to figure this out. Um, well, we are wrapping up our emoticon series today. It's the last one, and we're wrapping it up with talking about fear. Isn't that exciting on Spring Forward Sunday that we get to talk about fear? We're going to talk about fear, and, and I wanted to start this morning by, by sharing a few interesting phobias that I actually have just come privy to. Uh, these are some phobias that probably you, you haven't heard of because they're some of the most uncommon phobias. These are true Phobias, these are things that people genuinely deal with, pure, terrorizing, paralyzing kind of fear. And I want to share them with you just to start getting our minds thinking about this topic of fear. So let me share, uh, I've got 10 of them for you. These are the most uncommon, some of the most uncommon phobias that are out there. First one is globophobia. Globophobia is the fear of balloons popping. Not the fear like when you get scared when it pops, but the fear of them popping, okay? Uh, the, the next one is geniophobia, and this is the fear of chins. Seriously, this is the fear of chins, okay? Uh, the next one is pug, uh, paganophobia. This is the fear of beards. Some of you are creating some fear this morning, I, I'm just saying. Um, and this, one, this, is the, this next one is very ironic. I can't even believe that this is the terminology for this one. But this is, I'm going to try to do the best I can with this one. Hippopotamonstrosaquidepilipodia. I was close. I messed it up. But there it is. Okay. This is the fear of long words. I do not know who picked that one for that phobia. 
I mean, it's just crazy, but that's the word, the technical term for that kind of fear. Um, and so some others, uh, genuophobia is the fear of knees. Ergophobia is the fear of work. Some of you wish you had that one. Some of you claim that you have that one, let's be honest. Some of you have claimed that at one time or another. Uh, nomophobia, out of, uh, the fear of being out of mobile phone contact. Most of you think that your teenage daughter or son has that. Um, they don't. They just dislike it a lot, probably. Uh, xanthophobia is the fear of the color yellow. Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, there's fear of specific colors. And uh, turophobia, I hope not many people in Wisconsin have this one. This is the fear of cheese. And then the last one, you've heard of the fear of public speaking, like, you know, speaking in front of people. The last one is scriptophobia. It's the fear of writing in public. Yeah, writing something down. Isn't that crazy? Now, now honestly, I share those because I want us to start thinking about fear. And of course, when we say phobia, that's an extreme version of fear. And, and, and we kind of can chuckle at these because probably most of us in here, or, or we probably don't even know somebody that has these kinds of phobias. But let's be honest, if you think about those phobias that I just shared with you, if you think about them, I want you to think about it. If if somebody has a pure, terrorizing, paralyzing fear of chins or of the color yellow or of beards, I mean, can you imagine that? That means that you are paralyzed when you see somebody with a beard or when you see a long word or when you see the color yellow. Can you imagine what your life would be like? Would it not control you, dominate what you do and what you can't do? I mean, it would literally affect your life to the point where you could not do normal life. Right? I don't know if if you've noticed, but if you're around people, there are beards, there are chins, and there are knees. I mean, that's, it's going to be a problem, right? It's going to be something that's going to control them. They're just not going to be able to deal with that. And it's, it's a real deal kind of a thing. And so this fear can really be something that's a very strong emotion, a very strong dynamic in our lives. And so today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at fear, and I want to I really talk about what fear we should really think about fear, what, what role it should play in our lives. Because honestly, God gave it to us. God gave us fear. And sometimes it's just that we take fear to an unhealthy place. And so what I want to talk about today is what is the role that fear should play in our lives? There's a role there, but what role should it take? What should fear play as far as the part in our lives that God really wants us to play? Um, And really what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at God's word. We're going to take a look at the Bible and we're going to talk about two types of fear that the Bible talks about. When you boil it down, the the Bible talks about fear all throughout this entire book from cover to cover. It talks about fear in here. But what I want to do is I want to kind of boil it down to two specific types of fear, basic general types of fear that, that the Bible discusses in here. One of these types of fear is the kind of fear that, that is really healthy And that we should encourage in our own lives and we should encourage in other people's lives. It's the kind of fear that's very healthy. We should really long for it. And then there's another type of fear, a second type of fear that the Bible talks about. One that is very destructive. It will destroy our lives. It will take us further away from God. And it will really mess up everything that God wants for us in life. Okay? And so these two types of fear, that's what we're going to talk about. So the first fear. Let's just jump right in. The first type of fear uh, is the fear of God. 
This is the healthy type of fear. Now, when, when, I, when I say that, you might think of, oh, fear of God. And you might think of like the parenting tactic. I'm going to put the fear of God in that child right now. I know when I put this down as the point, I was like, okay, that's really what the fear is called. So that's what we need to call it. I was like, that's funny. I, I just, that's the first thing I think about. It. I was like, oh, this is a parenting thing. But I don't want us to think about it in that terms. Because honestly, when we think of the fear of God, we do think of, you know, fearing like, like scared, like paralyzing, like terrorizing. Uh, the paralyzing kind where, where we're scared that God's going to send lightning or something like that. We, we think of the fear of God as a negative thing, and it's not. The fear that we're talking about is not the fear like you would have, like if you would fear a bully if that makes sense. Uh, It's not the kind of fear that, okay, here's a bully coming and and you would fear that bully. That's not the kind of fear we're talking about. We're not talking about paralyzing, crumple into a fetal position kind of fear. Okay? That's not the kind of fear that God wants us to have toward him. Honestly, God wants us to have a healthy fear of him that really will allow us and actually gives us the only opportunity to experience true joy incredible freedom in massive peace, wonderful peace that can come from fearing him. So, so what I want to do is I want to just take a look. In fact, by the way, I want to bring up, this is going to be weird in the month of March, but I want us to look at the Christmas story, just two verses. Don't worry, we're not going to preach about the Christmas story today. All right. But I want us to look at the Christmas story, just a couple of verses real quick, because when the angel is sent by God to the shepherds, there's an interaction there that shows God does want, not want us to have a fear that paralyzes us, that shuts us down and makes us scared of him. So scared that we won't do anything. He doesn't desire that. That's not his desire. That's not his focus. I don't want to read this. It comes from Luke chapter 2, which is part of the Christmas story, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. It'll be on the screen as well. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, the shepherds, And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were what? They were terrified. They were paralyzed with fear. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Don't fear. He said, I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. To you shepherds and to everybody. So the first time, I mean, God sends this messenger and and the messenger knows right away those shepherds are scared. I mean, I don't know. I can just see the the shepherds maybe in the fetal position or just I don't know what they were doing, but they maybe they were running. And the angel's like, no, no, don't run. It's okay." He says, don't be afraid. I'm not here to scare you. I am here. And I know I probably look terrifying. I mean, I don't know. You know, you're on the hill, you're watching the sheep, and all of a sudden just angel, like with all the radiance, it says all the radiance of the Lord's glory. Uh, Well, I don't think we can quite capture that in words, by the way, very well. The radiance of God's glory just burst on the scene in front of the shepherds. I'm sure it was scary. But what God says right away through this messenger, he says, don't be scared. Don't fear Like that. Don't be paralyzed. I have great news. Really great joy for you. And I want you to hear this. So, if that's not the kind of fear, like the fear of a bully, like we need to cower, 
then what is the fear of God? What, what really is that then? When we say we need to fear God, what do we mean? What we really are talking about is that we would have the highest regard, the highest respect, the highest reverence for Almighty God, that we would put God's wisdom, God's way of life, the things that he outlines in his word, that we would place it on the highest shelf in our life. That we would respect God above anything else that could possibly be in life. That's what it means to fear God. Let me, let me give a couple passages of scripture to kind of help understand what this looks like. Proverbs nineteen twenty three is what it says. Fear of the Lord, fear of God, leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Now, right away we see, oh, security and protection from harm. Right away we kind of get this fuzzy feeling like, oh, okay, God will keep us safe. Well, that's not necessarily what it's talking about. (laughs) Anybody who's walked with Jesus for any length of time knows this doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen. What this means is that God will give you incredible joy and peace and comfort in the midst of whether it's a storm or whether it's a really good time or something in between. It means that to fear the Lord leads to the fullest possible life that we can have. God created you and I to live life to the fullest. He desired when he created us that we would experience the fullest, biggest measure of joy that we can possibly even come up with in our brain and even more. But God knows that in order to experience that, we need to have a healthy fear of him. Again, not a paralyzing, but a respect, an ultra respect for God. Let me put it another way. If we were to say, okay, what does the fear of God look like in practical life? Like, what does this look like for us on a daily basis? Let me read Proverbs 8.13. And actually, this is out of the NIV version. It says this, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. That gives you the definition of how you fear the Lord, practically speaking. To fear the Lord, if you want to fear God, you must hate evil. That's a big deal. And it goes on to say, I hate pride and arrogance and evil behavior and perverse speech. In other words, we hate sin. Now, I feel like it's important to say this because, and the reason I feel this is because I feel like followers of Christ mix this up a lot. This does not say we hate people who are evil. It's really important to say, because I know a lot, I have friends who kind of treat people that way. Okay? And I'm like, it's just wrong. This is not saying you hate the people who are evil. It means you hate the evil. Now, a lot of times we feel like, well, how can you separate the evil from the person? Well, you, you can, and I'm not saying that, that you know, they maybe ever will stop being evil. I don't know. Uh, apart from God, he can do that. But, but it's not saying that we hate the person. It's saying that we hate sin. And so a lot of people, this is why we don't like to talk about the fear of God. I think, it's, I think to some degree we kind of think that it's a cower in fear kind of a thing. We, we kind of, we, we misdefine that, but it's not that. It's really, I think one reason that we have such a hard time with this is that God says, in order to fear me, in order to respect me and put me on the highest shelf, to put, you, to put me in the center of your life, you must hate sin. You must hate it so much that you do whatever you can to stay out of it. That's healthy fear of God. 
if I can just try to help put this in a way that is just a little bit more understandable. Because I was, honestly, as I was wrestling through this, I'm like, okay, how, how, do I, how would I explain this? Because this is a huge concept. And the best way I can think, I want you to just think about right now, I want you to get in your mind, I want you to think about a person, a person in your life that you would say you respect and you revere the most of anything, of anybody. Okay? Now, to be careful here, I, this is not necessarily the person that you love the most or the person that you like the most, like to hang out on the weekends and all kind of stuff. It's probably not that person. This is the kind of person that you know when this person speaks to you, they are telling you the truth, no doubt about it, that the advice, the truth that they give you is not only true, but it's wise. And that it's from, you know that it's not biased. It's not because they want you to do something. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not filtered through their own ego or something like that. It, it's true, it's unbiased, and it's wise. Somebody that you would respect the most. I want you to think about that person, the person that you would put and you'd say, I would trust their advice. I would, I need to trust their advice above all else, even if I don't necessarily like what they say. They're the person that tells you the truth, even when they know you don't want to hear it. You know those kind of people in your life? Do you have somebody like that in your life? I want you to think about that person. A healthy fear of God is a hundred times more than what that person is to you, if that makes sense. How much you respect that person in your life and respect their advice, take it another hundred times or a thousand times, whatever it is, I don't know how much bigger this is with God, but it's a lot bigger. And that is what God wants for you and from you as far as respect for him. Because his advice is that good and that perfect. Literally, you can count on every single time you read this book or you hear from God in prayer, every single time, what God says is, I promise it is true, it is unbiased, and it's going to be incredibly wise, more wise than you can imagine. That's the kind of healthy fear that we're talking about with God. Now, I know that this is a difficult concept because you say, okay, you know, how does this work practically out? Well, I want to spend some time talking a little bit about this next second type of fear because it gets a little bit more into the practical side. So the first type of fear is that we need to fear God. We need to have this healthy respect and this healthy reverence of our Lord and Savior. But then the second type of fear that the Bible talks about is the kind that we really have to deal with on a regular daily basis. It's the, it's the kind of fear that really can destroy us. It's the kind of fear that will keep us from having that strong relationship with God, with, with Jesus. And, and the second type of fear is actually described in 2 Timothy 1.7. Let me, let me just read it for you. And this is the second type of fear that it's called. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So what I would call this second type of fear, the first type of fear is the fear of God. The destructive kind of fear is what the Bible would call a spirit of fear. An overwhelming kind of fear that comes from other people and things in our life. 
It's not a fear. It's not a healthy fear that comes from God. It's not the kind of fear that, you know, there's a healthy fear that, that keeps us from doing like silly, stupid things like jumping off a cliff without a parachute or something, right? That would be a healthy fear. I don't know about you, but I would want my children to have that kind where they're like, no, I'm sure it'll be fine. Woo! I want them to have a healthy fear of, you know, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. We want to have that healthy fear. But the Bible, this one, this verse is talking about not that kind, but a fear that paralyzes you and keeps you from doing what God wants you to do and keeps you doing from what you know you're supposed to do. It might even keep you doing something that you know you're not supposed to do to save face. You know what I'm talking about? Things that you keep doing in order to save face in front of other people. It's that kind of fear that, we're, that this verse is talking about. So let me talk about a couple of different types of fear. Um, And and as I say fairly often, I don't think you're going to enjoy these, but these are fears that I think almost anybody deals with to some level, to some degree. The first kind of fear is the fear of people. The fear of people. Let me read Proverbs 29, 25. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord is or fearing God, means safety. So how would I describe this? This would be um, when you're in a social situation and and somebody brings up an idea to do something and you know right away from God. And sometimes you hate this about God, right? It just drives you nuts. But God gives you that little behind your heart, little prick, that little thing, that little nudge that goes... I should say no. But if I say no, I'm going to be the only one in the group that says no. That would be a spirit of fear. That would be you fearing a person or a group of people more than you fear God. That is saying, get behind me, God. Get get back. It's okay. This one time is fine. And we fear what those people are going to say or think about us. And so we choose this course of action instead of the course of action where God says, no, this, this would be better. This leads to more joy. This leads to more, more peace. This would lead to more contentment. And yet we choose this because we fear what people would say. Anybody ever feared what people would say? I have all the time. I still deal with this. Even I, I'm a pastor. I know I'm, I'm not supposed to share my secrets, but I do. I do. I honestly do. I've been in situations. I was in a couple of situations this very week where I just, I feared what, if I said something and I felt like God wanted me to say it, I feared if I said it out loud, what they would think of me. Fear of people. It's a spirit of fear thing. It's, it's where we elevate this fear of people above God above fear of God. Another fear might be the loss of lifestyle, loss of a lifestyle that you want. Okay. This is a big one in our culture. Um, this is, this is, this is maybe sometimes, um, a fear of, uh, let me think of an example. An example would be this. Uh, if you're at work and you know, everybody fudges on their time at work, you know, everybody does their March Madness brackets during work. Oh, now we're getting real. Hey? And you know everybody does it. And so you're like, oh, everybody does it. It's fine. Or there's a policy at work 
that everybody bends the rules on because it maybe is easier for them or maybe it, 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 it just kind of gives you that extra time or maybe it's a sales thing. Maybe, maybe if you bend this rule just a little bit, by bending I mean lying, and by doing that you can make a little bit more money and everybody does it. In order to keep up with everybody, you got to bend that rule and everybody knows it and so you do. That is a fear of the lifestyle change. Why do we not choose the honest integrity side of things? Why? Because we fear the loss of a lifestyle. We fear the loss of, you know, saving face with our coworkers. Let me, let me just quick example of this. Okay. How many of you know, if you were to starting tomorrow, Monday, okay, starting tomorrow, you stopped bending that one rule that everybody in your workplace bends. Immediately, what do you know you're going to be known as? I don't think I'm going to say it out loud. We all know what we're thinking. Right away, if you're the only one in the company that is not bending the rule anymore, and everybody else is, (laughs) you're going to be known as something in that company. And my guess is a lot of them, it's not going to be a fun, positive thought. Right? And that is the spirit of fear. This is what that verse is talking about. It's talking about this fear that paralyzes you, that keeps you from doing the things, from being honest, from having integrity, from doing some of these things that God wants us to live for and be. Um, Laura and I, when we were living in North Carolina, I've told you bits and pieces of our story Uh, But Laura was a third grade elementary school teacher in the public school system, and I taught public high school. I taught history and social studies and geography. I know some of you are like, oh, groan, groan. I understand. If you were teaching math, I'd feel the same way. Oh, math. So I can dish it too, all right? But that's what we were doing. We were in the public school system. We were both teaching in North Carolina, and, and it became very clear. God became very clear with us that 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 I needed to change my career, that I was no longer going to be a teacher in the public school system. I'm not going to share the whole story of that. That's a long story. Um, but, but when that kind of started happening, and Laura and I realized this, and there were some moments in time where we really discovered that this was going to be the case, that I needed to quit teaching, that I needed to go into full-time ministry. At that point, I would be lying to you if I said that we didn't have a little bit of worry. I won't tell you the comment that my wife made when I came home and declared this and said, hey, by the way, you can ask her what she said. It was actually pretty funny. I think I've said it out loud before and up front. Okay? But, but I would be lying if I said that we didn't have a little bit of worry, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of fear. We did. There was a spirit of fear there because we're like, uh, you know, if we stay in teaching, like our retirement set, we're, we're good to go. Uh, all this, like I, I don't even, I, ha- I haven't even taken any classes for ministry yet. What, you know, how's this going to work? We were a little worried about it, to be honest. And, and thankfully, though, I want you to tell you, thankfully, it took, several, honestly, it took Laura and I a few months. But it took, a, even though it took us a while, thankfully we got there. And eventually we were able to push down and defeat the spirit of fear enough to where we said, okay, God, if this is what we're supposed to do, we need to do it. And we finally allowed, honestly, what it was is we allowed the fear of God to trump the spirit of fear that we had about our future and success and retirement and all that stuff. 
That's really what it came down to. God's fear, fear of God had to trump the spirit of fear. And, and let me just tell you, and I thought about this, I got emotional this week, but I don't even want to think about the possibility that we didn't get to, to be on staff at the church in North Dakota and the people that I can see in my mind right now. And, and the fact that, that we wouldn't even be in Dane County, wouldn't even be here in Wanakee and Northridge. Northridge might exist, but it wouldn't be Laura and I here. Like, I don't know how God does it. I'm like, okay, they didn't listen. Spirit of fear reigned in their life. I'll put somebody else in. I don't know. But I do not like to even think about that Laura and I would have missed out on this. And let me tell you, we would have missed it completely. We would have missed the boat, missed the train, and missed all the other things that move. If we would have allowed the spirit of fear to dominate us instead of the fear of God. I'm, I'm being honest with you to tell you it took me a few months. It took Laura a few months. But eventually we were able to let the power of God and the fear of God rule and reign and trump that. So the question becomes, how do we get rid of the spirit of fear? Okay? Like how did Laura and I finally get rid of the spirit of fear? The only way to do this, there's only one way to do this. And God's word is very clear about this. The only way to get rid of the spirit of fear is to grow in your fear of God. It's the only way to do it. There, there's no way that we can just be like, I'm going to be more bold and more courageous today. I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to people about Jesus. I'm going to, I'm not going to bend that rule on Monday. I'm not going to do it. The only way to defeat the spirit of fear is to have more fear, respect, in other words, healthy fear, not paralyzing, but healthy respect and fear of God and say, God, I fear you. I want to respect you. I trust you. I'm going to do this even if I'm not sure what the future holds because of it. The only way to do this is to grow in our healthy fear of God. What are a couple of thoughts on how we can do that? You guys know, I've shared this before, we've got to get into this. And you cannot, the only time that you hear the word of God cannot be on a Sunday morning. It cannot be. It just can't. <laughs> because, because me throwing a few verses out there on a Sunday morning is not going to get it done. We've got to, you've got to get into this. Okay, read a verse a day, read a couple verses a day, put it on your, your iPhone and the, they have apps, a hundred apps for these things and they read them to you and they actually do a really good job. They don't read in monotone. They read with passion and drama and exactly what, like it's supposed to be read because it's real stuff. It's real stories that happened. We got to get into this because in here, this is where God will start to pour into you the, the, the fear of God, the respect for him that you want to have. And therefore, all of a sudden you will find, this is what's been true in my life, that you will find that you will fear people less. You will fear the, the future less and you will begin to fear God more, which will give you peace and contentment. How many in here want peace and contentment? Joy in the midst of anything. I know we do. I know we all long for that. People tell me that they long for that. I long for that. Got to get into God's word. Another thing is praying. I'm not going to spend long on this. We all know we're supposed to pray. We all know we have to talk to God if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus. But let me just ask you to do this one thing. 
And don't do this until you're ready. Because when you do, God will bring it. Ask him for the fear that you need to have of him. Ask him for it. Beg him for it. Really desire and and really beg God to say, God, give me the healthy fear of you that you want me to have. Ask him for it. and, And trust me on this. God will bring it. And it will happen through situations in your life. It will happen through conversations. All of a sudden, somebody will come up to you and work and it will put you to a point where you have to choose between bending that rule or not. And you're going to be like, I know I asked for it, God, but maybe not today. Because he's going to bring it. But I encourage you to ask him because it will start you down a path where you fear God even more and more healthy and respect him and revere him even more. Another way to help build this this courage, this boldness that comes from God is to get yourself invested and around other people who are trying to follow Christ in a bold and and powerful way as well. And we've mentioned this before. This could be Sunday morning. This could be life groups. This could be both. It could be that that you have a regular lunch or coffee set with somebody who's following Jesus to the nth degree. Whatever it is, but get yourself around people who are trying to do this also. There is strength in numbers, isn't there? Really, let me ask you this. Have there as, has there ever been a time in your life when you were not willing to do something by yourself because you were scared of it? But if somebody went with you or if you had a group of people go with you, you were willing to do it. Anybody ever had that time? Something like that where you were scared to do that? I've had many of those times where I was like, uh, I'm not doing that. And then I get you know two or three friends. I'm like, all right, we can do this, right? Okay, let me just give you an example. I shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to. Uh, when I was in college, uh, there, was this, uh, there was this old jail building. It was completely abandoned. It was an old jail. Uh, it was Grant County Jail. So it was one of those big ones, the kind of bigger kind. It was one of those brick buildings that had the towers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just, a, it was just like three stories. And, I mean, it was good size, but it wasn't one of these massive, like, maximum security things. But it was an old, old prison. It had been built a long time ago. And it was in the town where I went to college. And we found out that there was a lower door at the very base of that thing that had busted. And that we could get into that thing. Again, I know I shouldn't tell all my secrets. But I just... Honesty, right? Honesty. Okay? And so we decided that it would be really cool. In the, there, was like, there were like four or five of us guys. I can't remember if there were four or five of us. But there were four or five of me and, and my good friends. And we decided it would be really cool if we could see if one of us was brave enough to go in there at night with no flashlight and hang out in there. I know it's dumb, but I'm just saying Okay? And so we, we, we decide, okay, who's going to be willing to do this? You know, who's going to be willing to jump in to this building and go into this building at night with no light? And this is one of those things where, you know, everything's, there you go. There's the picture of this thing. All right. And, the, and it, the, this front section was kind of not even accessible. It was the back section with the, the towers and, and all this kind of stuff. Actually, that looks really nice for what it is actually now. It's called the castle. You can tell probably why it looks like a castle. So we, so we, we did this. Well, uh, to make a long story short, um, none of us were willing to do it. <laughs> I'm serious. I know college guys, like we weren't willing to do it because this was the kind of building. I mean, literally what we finally did is, uh, to make the long story short, we finally got the group of us together and we all snuck in and we brought our flashlights. We decided to bring lights. We just couldn't bring ourselves to just do it without, cause it was really dark in there. Like you couldn't, it's so dark that you couldn't see. 
So you could, I mean, you were, you couldn't even see. And there was debris and chairs and who knows what strewn everywhere. It was one of those buildings. I mean, literally it was gone and it had just let the, the land take over. And, and so you go in there and this is one of those buildings where, I mean, you, you see these movies, right? I mean, where it's, 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 there's wind blowing through it and th- there's noises and you feel like the cell doors are actually creaking open and stuff, like that kind of stuff, okay? And it's just dark and you're just going, I mean, we're huddled together, college guys, like going, dude, dude, you know? Seriously, there was a few of those moments where we got mad. I'm like, stop, cut it out. It was kind of fun, really dumb. I get it, okay? But here's my point. I do actually have a couple of points. One, the first point, that was stupid. Don't do that kind of stuff, okay? That's not the main point. The second point is this. What we were unwilling to do by ourselves, we were willing to do with somebody else. And the same goes for how God has created you and I as human beings. Sometimes the courage that we need, the fear, the respect that we need to have for God can come from the blessing that God has poured in with people around us. Other followers of Christ. This is why we meet together on a regular Sunday basis. This is why we have life groups. This is why we do these things is because we know that God has created us to rally together. And because we know that we will have increased boldness and respect for God when other people are with us. It's a big deal. So, wrapping it up, what does this come down to? I ask you this question. Which type of fear, these two fears, is ruling your life right now? Which of these two types of fear is ruling your life? If, if, if I were to put it another way, when you make a decision, when you make a choice, whether it's the spur of the moment in a social situation, or whether it's at work, or whether it's at home for your family, or, or whether it's one of those huge decisions, you know, career change or move or whatever, whether, whatever decision it is, small or big, when you make that decision, is it more guided and directed and influenced by a spirit of fear, worried about your future, worried about your career, worried about people? Or is it more guided by a a healthy fear of God? Which one? When you put it that way, then it kind of brings some things to light, doesn't it? If I were to put it in just a slightly different way, let me put it this way. How can you begin to trust God more and fear other things less? If I were to just put this out there, how, would, how are you going to be able to trust God more and fear other things less? The truth is, in order for you to find more trust in God, it's going to require you to do something that you don't want to do. Okay? Let me, let me give you a statement that's just absolutely true. There is no way to increase your faith and your trust in God unless you put yourself in a place where you have to have faith and trust in God. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. There is no way that you can increase your faith and trust in God unless you allow yourself to go into situations and make decisions that force you to trust and have faith in God. My children don't trust me if they stand on the edge of the pool and I'm saying, trust me, 
Go, take the risk. Let's go. Trust me. Have faith. I will catch you. I promise. They don't trust me until they jump. We all know this is true, right? There's, they don't trust me until they actually leave the platform. This is what I'm talking about. Whatever God is asking of you, we cannot increase our faith and our trust in him unless we allow ourselves to be in that place where we have to faith, have faith and trust in him. So what do you need to do? What step do you need to take this week to begin having a healthy fear of God and destroying the spirit of fear that's been ruling your life? What steps do you need to take for you? It's going to be different for all of us. But what is that step? Let's pray. God, I thank you for being strong. God, I know that that there are things in this life, there are people in this life, there are, there are situations in this life that, that really can get us scared, make us worry. One of the biggest things is our future. We, we worry about that a lot. What direction do we need to go? What career do we need to have? God, I pray that you would help all of us in this room, starting this week, to take a step that requires us to have faith and trust in you. For all of us, it's going to be a little bit different, but I pray that whatever that proverbial jump into the swimming pool is for us, I pray that we would do that. Pray that we'd be willing to jump. Pray that we'd be willing to take that risk in spite of our fear. May you help us to fear you above all other things because it leads to life, because it leads to joy and peace and grace and mercy. We love you, God. Help us not to be scared. Help us to respect and honor and revere you above all things. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. And let's declare that together.